Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Off the Beat and Track podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I talked to Lucia Cifarelli and it's ace. You're in for a treat and... As as Lucia said at the end, it felt like we were old friends, so it was nice. We had a, a real fun natter, and Lucia's got some story, and uh, and we go in on it. Um, super well travelled, accomplished so much, and you know, th- th- there's an underlying relentless drive, you know, to to push her creativity, which we we talk about. You know, over the next hour. Um, before we get on with that chat, um, just a few thank yous. Thank you to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thank you to 76, producer. Thank you to you, lovely lot, for continuing to support and get behind the podcast and listen and tell your pals about it. So I really appreciate that and really appreciate all the messages about it. And if you've got guests that you'd like to hear me talk to, then, then drop us a message. Just say, look, I think this person would be really interesting um, because... You know, I'm quite prolific with the output and uh, so always looking for, you know, wonderful, interesting, creative people to chat to. Okay. Also, if this is your first episode um, of listening to this podcast, then when you finish this great chat with Lucia, um, why not uh, go and explore the back catalogue? Because you can hear episodes with, um, gosh, Fatboy Slim, uh, Foo Fighters, Chic. Um, who else? I've got 300 odd episodes. Yeah, if I had to kind of just rattle a couple off, I always draw a blank. Um, Gary Kemp, Spando Ballet, David Gray, um, Motley Crue, um, gosh, Idols, uh, Sleaford Mods. And if you like your comedy, uh, James Acaster, Ed Gamble, Jade Adams. Uh, God, there's loads. I'm not going to keep trying to remember them all. Just go and have a look. I mean, if you'd like to support the podcast in any other way, the best way I would suggest is to get behind my Patreon. Um, Patreon's a, a, a crowd support uh, network, um, like a social media. You just sign up and each week I put up content on the live feed and and you can interact with it and, and also you get loads of upfront uh, episodes and video episodes and you also get a back catalogue of maybe 200 never-released to the public episodes of radio shows and stuff so so go and yeah from i think it's about 79p a month and it just all goes in the pot to help kind of support the podcast i think i'm done there all oh just quickly the last thing you need to know about all of that stuff i've just mentioned is you just need to go to the one-stop shop 
www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. Anyway, let's get on with it. Please enjoy Off The Beat and Track Podcast with Lucia Cifarelli. Right, I've got to take a quick break in this podcast because I've got some super exciting news. Off The Beat and Track Podcast is proud to go into partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. That's right. The Cacao Bar is not a chocolate bar. It's all the best bits of a chocolate bar put into a really exciting new alcoholic range. That's right. Gin, vodka, and a beautiful range of cream liqueurs. So one of the big bonuses of this partnership is obviously I'm super thrilled to have Hotel Chocolat working with us, but they sent me a great big box of this stuff. And I'm telling you, it's amazing. Go and check it out, www.hotelchocolat.com or over on the socials at Hotel Chocolat. But yeah, in the coming months, there's going to be opportunities for you to get involved with competitions with us, to win bottles of stuff. There's loads of exciting things coming soon, and I can't be more happy to say that this podcast is in partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. All right, let's get back to the podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. It me, Stu Whipping. Okay, we are recording. Uh, Lucia, how are you doing today? I'm all right, man. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Well, before we get on to talking records, the first thing I always like to ask guests is to kind of reflect back on the last... I mean, we reflect back a lot during this podcast. That's the nature of it, but... We're recording this on the 20th of May, um, and so that's going to probably put us maybe 14 months into this strange world we've been living in. And so I just want to ask how that's affected you, um, both personally and creatively. Yeah, it's been really strange because on a creative level, it's just been off the charts. I mean... um, when it was determined that all of our cance- our touring was canceled, um, I, I had been writing at the end of 2019. I, I had started writing some material that I was thinking I would eventually use for a solo record. But uh, when the news came down the pike that everything was canceled for the year, I just went full right into it. And um, I, I had this idea that whatever was going on around me, I was going to keep myself really centered and focused on making the record because what was happening outside was so out of control. And um, I was just concerned that if I focus too much on that, I might really get down depressed and freaked out. So I just buried my head in making the record. I'm so sorry. Can you hear that? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What to do about that? You know, my single's coming out tomorrow, so there's like all these <laughs> super <emails>. popular today. <laughs> I'm really po- more popular than usual, and then on Saturday, nobody will be writing to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you said that you know, obviously, touring stopped, and it, it stopped for the whole industry, and it stopped for the whole world, and and so to then finally have time, which you know, the amount of artists I speak to, you know. L- almost kind of enjoyed the fact that, hang on a minute, I'm not going to be touring relentlessly. This is quite nice. But then where I want to kind of go with this is like, you then just knew you had the time to to, to write a record and 
you threw yourself into that. Did it ever feel initially like sort of forced in any way that because you had this time, you had to do it? Or, you know, did you just kind of adapt for a while and then start the process of it? Or like, how did that come about initially? Well, I mean, I'm going to tell it to you right like it is, and it's you're, it's just going to blow your mind. <laughs> you're going to be like, what are you talking about, girl? But, um, I mean, this is so wild. It, you're actually the first person that I'm really telling this to. Okay. Oh, so, I mean, I've made some videos about it that I'm going to post when the record comes out, but because you've asked me this question in such a way I'm, I'm gonna I'm just gonna go for it and and you're gonna think I'm nuts um but you know the thing was in September uh 2019 I kind of reached a milestone birthday and um you know I did what a lot of people do when they cross a milestone birthday you do like a life review and I just had this sense that um not that my best years were behind me, but that any shot at like an opportunity to really make an impact in the industry was behind me. And I was really down about that. And um, I started just like chewing on that for a couple of weeks. And a friend of mine introduced me to this artist that she knows. And, um, You know, there's no other way to say it. He's like, he's an artist. He's a psychic. He's a wizard. And he was like, well, what is it that you really want anyway out of all of this? If you could just do it one more time, really right, what would it be? And I said, I'd really like to know what I'm made of. You know, I've been been chasing this dream of mine to kind of, make an impact in this industry and reach people for my entire career. And I've never, I've never gotten there. I've never had a number one record, which for a lot of people isn't important, but you know, I really wanted to have a hit song on the radio. I really wanted to play Madison square garden. I was made for this shit. You know, I've trained for it and worked on it toward year after year. And I, at this point I reached, I realized like, wow, it's not going to happen. So he said to me, what if I make you something? Why don't you, this is where it gets really crazy. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm (laughs) loving this. (laughs) So he goes, I want you to write a letter to the universe. Okay. And while you're doing that, I'm going to paint you something. And um, I'm going to help you dial God. Because, you know, so many people out there he doesn't hear everybody maybe he just hasn't heard you or or maybe he just doesn't see you and I was like okay so and that was it I didn't really talk to him much (laughs) but just these little emails back and forth and he'd send me pictures of this piece that he was working on which is unbelievable it's the most ancient language and and sigils and things. It was this massive piece of art. And as he was making this, and it, it, it was almost instantaneous from when I started talking to him, really strange things started to happen. The first thing that happened was I, um, 
you know, since I don't know, my early twenties, I had like a thyroid issue. So I have to really stretch my body. I have poor circulation. One day I woke up and we have a lot of stairs in our house. One day I woke up three days after talking to him, I ran down the stairs. I forgot something. And I ran up the stairs and I ran up the stairs. Like I was a 10 year old kid. It was like, my legs felt springy and light. And I was like, what? And then I heard a voice in my head and she said, run. I haven't run in like 20 years. I work out at the gym. I never go running. I put my sneakers on and I started running for like 90 minutes, like a little kid. And I came back and my husband looked at me and he was like, that's really strange. What would you do that for? I said, I know. I felt like doing it. Then I went to bed that night and I popped out of bed at four o'clock in the morning. I was half asleep. I reached over. I grabbed my computer. I opened GarageBand. I'd never used it in my life. And I started building skeleton tracks and my hands started writing. And the first song I wrote was I am I off the record, which is about like meeting an angel. And, um, then the next day I woke up and I had another idea and I just started sinking through my life. And a little voice inside my head said, you've lived a really interesting life. What if you wrote the soundtrack to your life? And I just, I was like the girl in that movie, The Red Shoes. I couldn't stop writing. And one day my husband came downstairs. He's Sasha from KMFDM. And he's like, oh, that's really cool. What are you listening to? Is that like new Depeche Mode or something? Because he, <laughs> he just heard the intro. And I was like, no, man, that's me. And he's like, what? I said, yeah, I just wrote this thing. And, and he's like, he's usually the one that gives me the music yeah. and I, and I write the melodies and the lyrics and stuff like that. And he's said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm going to write my next record. And he said, just like that, you're going to do that. And I said, yeah, I know how to write. I'm going to write. Why the hell not? And he said, well, if you get some material together and if you want some help, I'll help you produce it. And then the touring got canceled and I was just, I was like, all right, I'm writing. He's game. We're doing this. I don't care if I'm going on tour. I'm going to make a record. When this is all over, I'm going to have a record. So that's how it happened. Wow. That's- <laughs> I know you think I'm nuts. <laughs> I thought you were just going to say I went and sat in my garden with a pad and just wrote some songs, but no. <laughs> Way more interesting. <laughs> you know, it's fun. It's fun. And I've actually, I've made some videos to try and explain it because I've had some people say, so how did it happen? And I thought, you know, what the hell do I care? I got to tell the truth about how this went down. And it's so much fun. It's such a fun yeah, story. It's anyway. incredible. If people think I'm nuts, they think I'm nuts. What do I care? I got something really magical out of it. And it really was. So, um, yeah. Well, let's, let's start the playlist. And, and it always starts with the obvious question, which is about intros. So I'm going to ask you, please, uh, to tell me the song that you think's got the greatest ever intro. Yeah, you know, that was a really tricky one. because Everyone says that. Everyone says this is the tricky one. There's so many. So I, I, I approached it from a different angle. I, I approached it from the angle like, what was the first intro that I heard that I was just like, wow. And I would have to say, you know, Immigrant Song by Led Zeppelin. Um, you know, when you hear Robert Plant 
singing over that completely intense Jimmy Page riff, it just hits you right here. There's something tribal about it, isn't there? Yeah, and and the, and that and that kind of thing really gets me. You know, I really when I hear something intense and tribal like that, it hits me in my in my soul. I don't know why. I really yeah. dig it. So, yeah, and and I guess it just. I mean, they were they made such an impact that it, when it, when you asked me that question, it was it was like, yeah, it's got to be that. It's got to be that. And I and, and then I went on YouTube and I was like, I got to hear, I got to see the video, you know, because when, when I thought of it, I only imagine how I hear it when I hear it. I don't imagine the video. And it was a live video. And I was actually kind of disappointed when I saw the video because I was like, shit, it doesn't like live up to what I remember yeah. hearing coming off the record. You know, it's totally different experience. There, there, there is so much magic. And I, and I don't want to start... I mean, it's impossible on this podcast uh, to not kind of reflect back and, and on, on simpler times and the magic that that can, you know, ev- you know that, that can bring on. And, and it is that. Sometimes, you know, at any given point, we can jump on YouTube now and we can watch anything. You know, you can go and watch what... I'm sure if you wanted to watch what David Bowie had for, for dinner, like in 1976, you could go and watch that. And it's... Yeah. And, and, I don't necessarily want to seal that magic. And if I've got such a, a strong visual in my own head, just through hearing something like Immigrant Song, like, I don't know if I want to see something that might jar what feels right in my head. Do you know what I mean? Oh, no, absolutely. I know, because it made me second guess my yeah. choice. I knew. Because I, I, ha- I have my stereo set up in the living room and I put the record on and I was like, yes. This is my choice. <laughs> I, was like, I love this, and and then I wanted to see it, and I was like, "Yeah, I don't. It doesn't have the same impact yeah. as record, but it's still it's still my favorite intro, absolutely." Okay, well, I'm going to take you back now, and for for track two, um, I'm going to ask you please to tell me the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you. Well, you know, I was listening someone gave me a, a reference of your, your podcast to listen to. And I don't know who I was listening to, but I, I think I might've got the answer wrong here because um, they answered like what hit them when they first had their heart broken or something. It and can I, be joy. It can be anything, an emotion. And, and when you asked, when I, as I read the question, I was like, well, I was really young when I was, when I heard the first song I was moved by and it didn't have anything to do with having a broken heart. It was just, I remember I was a little girl and, you know, I have brothers and sisters and they were young too. So it was before I had any influence, musical influences from them when all we had was what our parents were playing. And so I remember, you know, what is it? Um, Unforgettable by Nat King Cole. I just remember laying under a Christmas tree and being a little girl and hearing that song and looking at the lights and, and the bulbs on the tree and thinking, oh, my God, you know, like I could feel it as a child just in me. And I thought this is the most beautiful voice and lyric I'd ever heard at that point. You know, I was just a little girl and I could really understand. I must have been four or five. I don't know. And my dad was a huge Frank Sinatra rat pack guy. So, you know, those were all the 
the earliest memories I had were listening to songs like that. Um, but I would have to say it was that. And, and then I checked out the video too. I know I shouldn't have done that, but I was curious just to bring myself back and, um, and God, Nat King Cole is so cool. Isn't oh, I'm he? glad you said that. I thought this podcast is systematically destroying your life, just going back for everything. And it was getting ruined every time you referenced the videos. <laughs> I won't do it again. That was the best one I looked at. But man, that was so good. And, and I just thought, you, you, this man is, is just so electric. And, you know, that fire of love and light coming through his eyes, I was like, yes. That was, that is, and even without having seen that as a little girl, when I saw this particular video, that was exactly what I felt. Yeah. I just felt like him reach inside, and I thought, man, to have somebody feel that way about you. God. See, these yeah. these are the emotions. This is what this question was about. You got it right. Like you know, don't get me wrong. If people want to come on and talk about the first song when they had their heartbreak, that's great. And you know. But it's when people say this was the first time that I felt music. Like, it's always been there, you know, from nursery rhymes to whenever. But just that thing that jars you for a second, it's like, whoa, what is this? Hang on, there's something more here. Yeah. And, and just that little, that, in it, that first time you sort of feel the music. And, and, yeah, I don't want to sound too hippie on that, but, like, but there, there is that. And, and, and I don't, I mean, if you had to pinpoint the emotion that you took from that, like, what would it have been? You know what? It's actually the same emotion that I feel today when I hear anything. I mean, music is, it's my entire life. I was born to create and I don't do it in the traditional ways that people do. So Sometimes people kind of look at me with side eye and be like, well, you know, um, you're not creating it in exactly the way that is understandably correct. Um, but this feeling is still with me when I hear a song or when I create a song. It's the same as when I heard Nat King Cole. It's like my chest just opens up and feels like it's breaking wide open. And I get really I feel tingly in my hands and I just um it's it comes from somewhere else and and when I heard that song as a little girl or when I hear something that moves me it's almost like God is speaking through these songs the universe you know and I don't mean that in like a any particular kind of religious way man and that sounds hippie I know it's like yeah. it's coming from somewhere else because that it's just this energy that is so magical that can do that to you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that it can make you feel like your heart is going to break wide open. And the same thing happens to me, even regardless, irregardless if I'm writing something that's totally hardcore or, you know, I mean, I'll never forget when Sasha played me the track to Rebels in Control and I heard that and it just hit me in the chest and I was like, I need to write, I need to write on this. Yeah. This is, I could feel it. So it doesn't even have to do with a genre specifically. It's just like, if it hits you, it hits you. It's like falling in love. Yeah. <laughs> you know, love at first sight yeah. or something. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Do you understand or does that sound really crazy? <laughs> totally get it. Totally get it. Well, for track three, I'm going to keep you in the formative years. Um, and I'm going to ask you, please, to tell me the song that reminds you of your time at school, please. Oh, I have to look at my notes because I, I don't know if I put down Foreigner or... You did. You did. Yeah. Was there yeah. an honourable mention? What was the honourable mention? Let's get that in as well. Peter Gabriel, the So album. That's oh, like... Right. Well, I think we pick up on that at the end. Oh, okay. Um, honourable mention. Well, you know, my God, okay. The cult, she sells sanctuary or something like that. <laughs> Bizarrely, that, that record's been been like uh, chosen by quite a few guests over the years Um, and i think that i mean obviously we'll get onto the foreign track in a minute but i do think there's certain records that come out that don't necessarily sound like the rest of the artist catalog but sound like they've just been beamed from outer space and if it dropped today it still wouldn't sound like it was from any specific time. And I equate that to how soon is now by the Smiths. Yeah, and I'll I love say it. the same for She Sells Sanctuary. Both of them records don't necessarily sound massively like the rest of that artist's catalogue. Absolutely. Them two records, fuck, they're just sonically <laughs> just out of this world. And I know. I know, man. And, you know, if you were to I, – I just got asked to uh, – you know, make a playlist because this is apparently important to do. And I thought, well, if I'm going to make a playlist, man, I'm going to make a playlist with the most impactful songs of before I was done. I had like 27 songs. I was like, nobody's going to listen to this thing. It's too long. But yeah, I had the Smiths on there. I had the cult on there and, you know, I had Grace Jones on there. You, You know, you just think of these records and, and I don't, and I know this is going to, probably make you think of me i don't know how anybody's going to look at me like but um when i think of artists i really do attach 
certain songs to them, just as you said, mm. the, the She Sells Sanctuary isn't truly reflective of the catalog of the cult, but that's but that song, you know, when you think of the cult, you think of that song. Yeah, yeah. And so, you and know. I mean, got, what an intro that's got as well. I know, I know. I could have went there. I could have went there. I don't know. But I had to go with Led Zeppelin because, you know. Listen up. I've only got another new sponsor. Egg Fried. It's this super cool clothing label. And... If you're into sort of skating and street art and gigging and, and kind of like really cool art and throwing a little bit of Asian culture and, and the designer's kind of weird sense of humour in the mix, then you're pretty much there with the wonderful world that is eggfried.com. Now, they do these amazing punchy kind of graphic tees, hoodies and sweatshirts, beautiful art prints, as well as this, they have a denim range, all handmade in-house, all supporting the slow fashion movement. Not only that, they've given you a discount code, 10% off when you head over to eggfried.com. Just use the code EGGSALAD, E-W-G-S-A-L-A-D, save 10%. Go and get lost in the world of egg fried. Also, they've got a new kids range, and it's called Small Fried, and it's super cool, super cute. Um, and again, it's all over there in this wonderful world. Go and get involved at eggfried.com. Anyway, we're here to talk about Foreigner. <laughs> right. we've we've we've, uh, we've gone off track foreigner so tell me about the track and tell me why it reminds you of school oh it it totally reminds me of school um, Urgent- where was school sorry but i know you've mentioned before we pressed record that you're in hamburg at the moment but where was school because that doesn't sound like a german accent to me no i grew up in long island i grew up in manhasset new york um i spent most of my the most memorable part of my youth in Manhasset, New York. I uh, spent the last couple of years of high school in a place near Seacliff, Long Island, um, Glenhead, Seacliff area. But when I was in Manhasset, that's when I was uh, most impacted by MTV. And, uh, you know, my girlfriends and I heard, you know, urgent and we did what a lot of girls do at that age. We would do dance routines and, you know, we were playing video games in the pizza parlor or whatever. And everywhere you went, you heard this song. And um, I, I even have it on my playlist, um, my personal playlist when I go running. I, and it still affects me the same way. You know, my heart's just like, yeah. <laughs> It pumps me up. <laughs> it still does. You know, there's some songs that are timeless. And, um, yeah, you know, we were going to parties. We were hanging out with friends on the beach. And this was blaring out of a boom box. I mean, I'm really dating myself now. But um, it was awesome. So whenever I think of school, I think of, I think of that tune. Did you enjoy school? Um, no. <laughs> I didn't, not at all. No, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't, it's, it's like, I always knew that I was going to be making music. So I had this feeling that I just wanted to get through it so that I could get to Manhattan and start making my stuff happen. And as it uh, turns out, I started doing that even before I, I got to Manhattan and started working on my career before I even graduated high school, I 
my parents got divorced um, when we were living in Manhasset and we relocated to Glenhead and I was accepted into an internship at this new high school where they said, if you can prove that um, you have a passion for something and you want to work in that field and, you know, write, write a paper on it, um, we're going to choose 30 kids out of the school from, you know, these two grades to do it. And I got accepted and I got an internship at Cove City Sound Studios in Glen Cove. And I got to watch uh, Taylor Dane make her first record. I, wow. watched, I watched her from the, from the top office window sing, tell it to my heart, you know, record. No way. And I sat there and I was like, this, this is what I'm going to do. And, you know, if I had had half the talent at that time that she does, I probably would have been like the next Tiffany. <laughs> but my journey was different. I turned into like a goth girl. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's got to be a chapter in the book, isn't it? I could have been the next Tiffany. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. <laughs> oh, what? I mean, that that Taylor Dane record, that is a perfect pop record, isn't it? It's just, for, I mean, that, sound, that was my time at school as well, that, hearing that. Oh, wow. Yeah. And she's awesome. I mean, she is, I don't know if you've ever met her no. or anything. Like she is so funny and so down to earth and... Um, I relate to her so much because she's a girl from Long Island and she's got a very similar sense of humor and she was super cool. And even after she became really famous, I remember bumping into her in Penn Station. You know, when, it, when I saw her do this, I was like a skinny little kid in high school yeah. who was serving her coffee, right? So, um, and I walked up to her and I was like, hey, Leslie, it's Lucia, remember me? And she was just like, Hi, how are you doing? She was so sweet. She could have been a total asshole. She yeah. was super. I mean, she was all playing on every radio station all over the world, but she was really cool. So, oh, yeah. Superb. superb. It was a fun time. So, wanting to be, I mean, it sounds like there was never any question as to what you wanted to do. It sounds like you were focused at school that, that music wasn't, you know, where you wanted to be going with it. Um, with that, I mean, that, that's a. Uh, that's a tough industry to, 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 you know, to even get started in. Was you confident? No. Driven? No, I, I was driven. I was driven. I, you know, I, I didn't have a lot of people that believed in me in a kid. You know, my brothers and sisters and I were abused and um, by our father. And it was a very unhappy place to be. And I think that probably had something to do with me just being like, I'm going to get through this and get the hell out of here. And um, so I found a voice teacher in the city. I was like, I just have to get to the city. And I've always been this kind of person that's like, okay, what's the first step? Well, the first step, I, I have to learn how to write songs and I have to learn how to sing. And, you know, the first step for a lot of people would have been supportive parents, um, learn how to play an instrument, join the school band, you know, but I didn't have that structure. So I was kind of like, 
how do I do this? What do I do? I'm going to babysit. I'm going to make money and I'm going to go take voice lessons. And that's what I did. And then my voice teacher said, you know, you're not the kind of artist that's going to get a record deal with your voice because you're quirky. You're a stylist. You're going to have to write your own stuff. Do you know how to do that? And I was like, I've been scribbling and writing notes, you know, ever since I was a little girl, I'd hide in trees and just space out and do that. And she's like, well, let me introduce you to somebody and, and, you know, maybe they can help you with the music and you could do the lyrics and the melodies. And so she introduced me to a guy who she knew named Dan Wise, who's worked with like the Scissor Sisters and Run DMC and John Mayer and all these people. But when I met him, I mean, he had gaffer tape holding his sneakers together and he was in a, a little studio apartment, like <laughs> you know, this big. And his setup was literally like the size of a laptop. And I wrote my very first song with him and he introduced me to other people. And it was, you know, I was probably 15. And so between being and going to school, I'd do my babysitting, get in on the train and go in there and write with people and make little demos and, um, you know, then eventually it's like, what's, how are you going to make these connections? How is, where, where does it go from here? You know, like you said, it's a very tough industry to break into. Um, I got a job working for a management company. I started my band and then, um, you know, everything kind of came full circle. I reconnected with the people from the studio that I worked with, that I interned with when I was in high school. And I got a production deal uh, with my band. And um, we were making some pretty mediocre sounding music. And um, I remember, you know, Rick Wake, who did the Taylor Dane record, who produced the Taylor Dane record, was the one who gave us our production deal. And he's like, you know, you really got to have a point of view. You know, you, you're a great writer, but you have to come out of this. We have to hear you. And it's, it, it almost happened. It almost happened instantaneously that shortly after he said that my sister was diagnosed with HIV and this beautiful woman, you know, she got sick very, very quickly. And I had been going back and forth with her to the hospital. And one day I came out of the hospital and went in the studio and I, I said, I just need to go somewhere and scream. And I went in there and my guitar player was recording me doing all this crazy stuff in there. And then the next day when I came in the studio, he was like, Lou, I just want you to hear something. I built, I hope you don't mind. It doesn't have to leave. It doesn't have to go anywhere. It's like, I wrote a song, music around what you were doing when you were in there yesterday. And I heard it and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. And then over the course of my sister's illness, um, I started kind of channeling all of the feelings that I had. And that's, I found my direction. I found this kind of reservoir of pain and I started developing a style and, and we got signed right away after that because, you know, Nine Inch Nails and Marilyn Manson were out and there were all these acts that were reflecting this really kind of intense energy and we fit right in. So we kind of got 
right in there. And then it dropped right out from underneath us <laughs> because our record label got consolidated into, I don't know, what was it? Interscope. And there was a major restructuring. And although we did some great stuff, um, they didn't pick up our second album because they said we didn't sell enough. So then I um, had a great opportunity to kind of segue into KMFDM, which was MDFMK at that point. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I worked on their record and then I got a solo deal and I moved to London and I worked with uh, Ian Stanley, who used to be in Tears for Fears. And he made... <sighs> Man, he, I watched a documentary about him about, um, oh, about three or four months ago. And he said that he had the fair light and he was saying that, you know, he was the, the, the first guy and he was like to, one of the only guys in the UK to have one. And he was playing it on all of them tracks on, um, songs for the big chair. And, uh, oh yeah, man, he, uh, he's an interesting dude. He's a bit of a dick. Really? <laughs> he seemed, he seemed, he seemed very posh. <laughs> He seems very you know posh. I'll tell you something. I don't even care. I'm going to tell you. So one night, uh, the president of Universal, because I was on, I got signed to Universal, comes uh, to London to take me out to dinner when I'm making my record. And I see Niall Rogers sitting in the restaurant. And I was like, oh, my God. Don't, don't please don't tell me he's a dick. Wait, wait, wait. Oh. Oh, no. he's amazing. Wait, just wait. You're going to be like, oh, this is horrible. <laughs> so, so the guy, my record company guy, Monty says, well, why don't you go over there and say hi and tell him how much, you know, you appreciate what he does. I bet he'll love that. So I go up to him and I'm like, hey, Niall, um, I just want to introduce myself. My name is Lucia. I'm here with, you know, the president of my record company and I'm a huge fan of yours and I'm in London making my record. And he's like, oh yeah where are you making your record? And I was like, oh, you know, I'm making my record. And he's like, I'm coming by. I'm coming by to see you tomorrow. And I was like, what? I was so excited. I can't even tell you. I was like, all right, all right. Give me the address. I'm going to come by. I told Monty, I was like, oh my God, he's, he's so cool. He shows up at the studio. You know, he's got like the guitar strapped on his back and He's like, why don't you play me some shit? He's like, girl, this is so good. I'm going to play on your record right now. And I was like, oh, my God. And you know what Ian says? No. He's like, what? It's fucking not. Oh, sorry. Can I say that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, yeah. I was like, it's Niall Rogers. He's like, we're done with the record. We, we, can't, we can't squeeze him in. I was like. You gotta get him on this record. Do you know how important this is? This is Niall Rogers. And he's like, no. I had to tell Niall Rogers that he couldn't play on my record because my producer said it was done. And I was so young. And you know, when you're young and you feel so grateful, you don't want to upset the apple cart. I should have put my foot down and say, you get in there. And you get oh, this man, that's such a <laughs> dick move, isn't it? No, <laughs> tell him, tell him he can't. Never, it's like I've never forgiven him for that. Do you think that's just pure ego? It totally was. Oh, it's, man. Like, Noah Rogers, any time I've ever seen him on anything, he just seems like the nicest guy. And he is. 
and every, <laughs> everything else aside, it's Nile fucking Rogers. And if Nile Rogers has got a guitar in his hand and he wants to play on your record, oh man, why is Ian Stanley not thinking fucking hell? I'm going to get to record Nile Rogers. Like, oh man, uh, what? Oh. What a dick, right? What a dick, what a dick. <laughs> right, track four. I'm going to take you uh, to the record store. I want to know what the first ever record you bought was, please, did you? Um, I, I think it might have been, I, I, I put down Prince Purple Rain because I think it was, but it also could have been Duran Duran. It could have been either one of those. Mm. When I remember when, uh, you know, which one came first? Duran Duran would have made it com- more commercial success, I would have thought, before Prince. Purple Rain was, what was Purple Rain, 83, 84, maybe? Maybe 84. Uh, and Duran Duran, Planet Earth would have been like 82. I think 84 would have been Reflex and Rio. And So I wrote down and wrong. It had to have been Duran Duran because I remember seeing Rio, that video on MTV when I was a little girl with my yeah. friends and like telling my mother she had to give me some money to get that record. Yeah. And uh, I, I actually... I was so obsessed with Duran Duran. A girlfriend of mine won tickets on the radio station and a bunch of other kids at school said their parents were going to like take them to see Duran Duran at the garden. So um, we all kind of grouped together and went to see Duran Duran and me and my girlfriend and another girlfriend who won the, you know, she won really great seats and we kept doing this thing that little girls do like, we got to push the envelope here, right? We got to get closer. We got to get. We got to get really close. So what are we going to do? Let's sneak down even a little further. And we got so close, we couldn't contain ourselves anymore, and we jumped on stage. And I ran to Simon Lebon. You went to Simon. See, everyone thought was going to go for John. <laughs> well, my other girlfriend went to John. My other girlfriend went to Rhodes, and I was like, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> and they like ripped us off of them and we broke loose and we ran out and we were being chased and years later when I was recording my um my album with Drill I was recording in uh one of the studios in New York City and a friend of mine had a British manager his name was Simon. His name was also Simon. Simon something, I think. And I was telling him this story, and he was like, "I was working with Duran Duran at that time, and I was at that show. <laughs> I remember that. I, I remember these little girls running on stage. I was like, I was one of them. Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. I did see the." Um... The producer, uh, the, the London producer, uh, Errol Olkin, announced yesterday that he's producing the new Duran Duran album, which is which which is incredible. And I see a picture of him in the studio with Duran Duran and guitar that that playing guitar on that record is Graham Coxon from Blur as well. So I think that's quite a, a crazy little combination. So I'd be interested to see what Me what too. sound uh, comes out of there. Um, but. And I mean, Noel Rogers, he reinvented Duran Duran as well, didn't he? That whole notorious thing. That was all like Noel, wasn't it? I know. It's painful. 
for me. Like just to hear his name, I'm like Niall. <laughs> oh my god, no. Keep throwing at you. Sorry. About you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. All right. For track five, uh, I'm going to take you clubbing, and I'm going to ask you, please, to tell me the song that soundtracked your years clubbing, please. Oh, which one was it? I think it was probably like, uh, did I say Eurythmic Sweet Dreams? You did. did I say mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, come on, it's it's the Eurythmics. Annie Lennox, I mean, she was the only one of her kind like that, right? She stepped out and made such a powerful statement with this androgynous look that she had and spoke to a whole cross section of people that weren't being, you know, considered. Um, And I was blown away by her everywhere we went. We heard this song, you know, it was just, you couldn't walk into a club and not hear that. So yeah. And Dave Stewart is so cool. I mean, he's just, I, I'm a huge British mu- British music fan. I kind of, I don't know. I think my sister, my older sister, played me General Public or something, and I was just like the first band I heard that just drew me in. And so any anything that comes from Britain, I'm always on it. Yeah. When I, when I was able to move to London and live there for a while, I felt like I had arrived home. And... Um, Unfortunately, I've actually never seen the Eurythmics in concert. And Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. That's a big disappointment. So. I mean, I, I can't remember that I... That, I mean, I must, they must have toured extensively in the, I guess, the early to mid and... Were they putting music out in the 90s? I, I think Annie Lennox's first solo record would have been maybe 91, 92. And, like, and did they do anything after that? I'm not sure. But I think they might have put one record out like maybe 15 years ago that that probably didn't you know, hit the heights that the, the stuff from you know, the earlier days did. But, it, yeah, you should never be sort of... There was been, there's so many sort of cultural icons that that have come through music that have that just define eras and and you mentioned Grace Jones earlier i mean you know if, if we're going to look at that kind of period of the 80s just the sight of grace jones for me evokes so many memories and made me understand things you know that i'd never really considered the same with annie lennox you know i'd never seen you know a confident 
you know, a, a front person in a band that that whole, you know, the, the, the androgynous stuff, I'd never experienced anything like that. That was my introduction to it. And, and it was so impactful. And, you know, and I can draw, you know, lines through it, you know, to, to then see artists like Boy George, whose music oh, I'm not yeah. necessarily a huge fan of, but what Culture Club and Boy George done, you know, culturally was like, it just, it just changed the way that people viewed all manner of of groups of people, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent, and and that you know that that is so important, and and yeah, and I think that's why people like Annie Lennox, you know, Grace Jones, and you know, that get referenced so frequently because well, I, it, it, it definitely the one th- the other side of it also is that it showed that women could be powerful. Um, and tough too, without playing on these kind of traditional themes, you know, you get, and, and I really love that because there is a side of me that's kind of tomboyish and scrappy, (laughs) you know, and it, it, it took a lot of work for me as a woman to, um, yeah, I'm I'm comfortable in pants. I mean, no, you nobody has ever seen me on stage in a dress, I or in high heels. You know, I'm like boots, pants, and I'm throwing down. <laughs> you know what I mean? So they they kind of um, reinforce this idea that you can be sexy, and you could be tough and and kind of masculine at the same time. Absolutely. Which I really like. Absolutely. I'm going to take you home for track six. Lucia, can you tell me a favorite song from an artist from your home county, please? Oh, yeah, that one. Uh, that's a hands down uh, Jay Z and Alicia Keys, Empire State. I mean, I hear that, I want to cry every time. Yeah. I just like, and the video on that. I know I shouldn't be talking about the videos, but like when I see the video, I just get really teary. I mean, just the. Oh, it's, it's, it, I, my, my life flashes before my eyes with, as he, as Jay-Z raps through New York, I'm, I'm taken on a journey right there with him. And then when Alicia Keys comes on and, you know, if you know anything about Alicia Keys, you know that her journey was not easy in the music business. Um, and, a lot of people didn't believe in her earlier on. And, you know, so you have this, this powerfully talented artist singing about what it's like to pound the pavement. You know, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. And um, it really speaks to me. And it, it just, uh, it's my hometown. So it means something really special. And it just breaks my heart wide open when I hear it. I don't think anyone's given a better reason for for that question, Lucia. I think you absolutely nailed that. Um, Your last track. I want you to play DJ now, please, and turn someone onto something new. And I'm going to ask you for your last track for a song that many may not know that you would like them to hear, please. Of an artist? Yeah, just a a song that you think people may not know that you would like them to hear. Um, let's see, um, 
how about how about KMFDM amnesia? Okay. I bet a lot of people on your show don't even know who KMFDM is. So I'm going to just tip my hat to KMFDM and say amnesia because it's a pretty majestic, awesome production that even if you're not sure, if you are interested in that style of music, you will like that song. I've not played that for anybody that hasn't said, wow, that's cool. So if, if they like that, then I've turned some new people on to KMFDM, which is always a good thing. Always a good thing. I live in a place called Basildon um, in the UK. And that's where Depeche Mode are from. And, oh, uh... <laughs> I love Depeche Mode. I was going to put them on my list too, but I thought, oh God, you know, I bet everybody does that. And so I had, you know, they're our hometown heroes, you know. So, you know, I adore that band and my obsession with that band then led me into industrial music. Uh, and I then discovered bands like Front 242, KMFDM, Young Gods and Nitzreb. Yeah, and yeah. all of them bands were like, I was obsessed with them. So, uh, oh, that's cool. So, I didn't know that, Stu. So, yeah, that was, that was, that was my whole scene. And I, I run a... Um, I run, I'm still talking away now. You're, you're the guest, but I'm banging on about myself, and I do apologise. But I, I run a venue. Uh, I, I run a venue in Essex, and it's the the oldest alternative club in the UK. Uh, and that venue was where Depeche Mode played all their first shows, and Culture oh. Club played their first ever show there as well. Um, oh, what's it called? What's it was club? at the time? It was called Crocs, and we had we had a crocodile in the club, like which sounds <laughs> fucking crazy, <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> But um, but for the last thirty years, it's been called the Pink Toothbrush, and it's just this kind of <laughs> wild, crazy alternative club that still plays noisy industrial records and stuff like that to people in in trousers and boots that stomp around and express themselves and feel comfortable being surrounded by freaks and geeks and weird and wonderful people. So, but aren't those the best places? <laughs> aren't they? <laughs> I can't wait to come to your club. I hope I get there. <laughs> Next time you're in the UK, come over. Come over and uh, and have, have a night stomping on the dance floor. Absolutely. Okay, Lucia, um, before we uh, wrap things up, as we see 2021 um, heading towards hopefully uh, a, a, a brighter place than, than 2020, we seem to be heading towards you know, a, a way out of this situation that we found ourselves in. Um, what are you most looking forward to from this year and what's going to be happening professionally? Well, um, what am I looking forward to most? I want to travel. I really want to travel. I want to see friends. I want to see family. I want to touch them and hug them. And I want to go to a restaurant and eat somebody else's damn cooking. I'm sick of cooking. <laughs> um, I is professionally speaking, you know, I'm just going to put this out into the universe. Like I did everything else. I would like to have a hit record with my first single. I'd like it to catch fire somewhere. I'd like some DJ who um, falls in love with it to play it and for people to hear it and for it to give me an opportunity to get in front of some audiences and do what I do, which is, you know, I'm great on stage. That's what I've been doing my whole career. So I would love to do that. And I'm hoping for, for that opportunity as we move into the year 
And um, as we move into next year, I will, of course, be working on more music. Um, I'm always working on music. KMFDM is making a new record and they're scheduling their tour, our tour. You know, I'm, I'm in that band too, um, for 2022 in the fall. So we'll absolutely be back in the UK because KMFDM is kind of popular there. So, <laughs> so, and we're so close. Yeah. Hopefully, despite everything that's going on with Brexit and all of that, it won't be terribly difficult. I don't know how that works now for artists now that things have changed. Um, yeah. So there's no end to the, the, the creative, creative output on a live front or in the studio. It just, it's our life. It's my life. It's, it's what we do. So. And in, in regards to all that creativity, if people want to keep up to speed on all of the stuff that you're doing, where's the best place to, to keep up to speed with you, Lucia? Well, I'm on Instagram like every day and you could also visit my website, luciacifarelli.com. I'm on Facebook. I'm on, um, you know, Twitter. You can watch news on Twitter and catch up with me. You can buy my stuff on Bandcamp. My record is coming out on Metropolis Records. I'll be on Spotify with my new song tomorrow, Girls Like Me. Um, I'm everywhere. I'm very easy to find. <laughs> Lucia, you've been an absolutely delightful guest. Thank you so much for your time today. Well, thank you for having me, Stu. I really enjoy talking to you. You feel like an old friend. Wonderful. Well, I look forward to seeing you stomping on my dance floor as soon as it's safe to do so, mate. All right. Well, you take care, okay? You too. Thanks loads, Lucia. There you go. How delightful was Lucia? Could have talked to her for hours. Like, just super interesting, uh, just so much energy. And it's just, I love it when somebody's so, got so much zest for their creativity and what they do, and they just, it just literally pours out of them. And, and just hearing that journey from, you know, going way back to, to listening to, you know, being in the studios watching, you know, Taylor Dane write global hits and, you know, right the way through to, you know, the ups and downs and, and the journeys within the music industry can be tough and, you know, to have that kind of resolve and and focus and, and, and commitment to making the music that Lucia's got is is absolutely inspiring and, and it was a lovely story to hear. Um and a shameless plug for my club at the end. It's so hard, like honestly, I know you've heard me bang on about it so many times, but I do find it really difficult when people talk about bands like Depeche Mode and, and things with such passion. I, I can't just kind of go yeah, they're, they're, they're from my, my neck of the woods. They're, you know, they cut their teeth in my in my place. So, yeah, sorry if you've heard that story a million times, but you know what it's like. You can't help it. You know, you get you get you get proud of your people from your hometown. All right, I'll see you next time. Um, as mentioned, um, go check out the uh, the back catalogue and uh, or better still, support the Patreon as well. Uh, better still, do both, and uh, you can find out about all of that at www off the beat and track podcast.com i'll be back next time in the meantime look after yourselves um and be excellent to each other see you soon bye-bye it's off the beat and track podcast on the distraction pieces network you've made stew with him Eat it, boy.